Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn it to Luke, the ninth chapter. We're going to start in verse 62. And what's happening here is Jesus is starting to expand his ministry team. And he finds some people who want to be a part, but they also have excuses for why they can't do it right now. They have really good intentions, but they have terrible follow-through. As we move into 2023, many of you have new goals, new dreams, new desires, new resolutions. Some of you are repeating the same resolution for the past 10 years because you haven't quite gotten there. I've got some of those myself. But I want you to understand that our intentions may be good, but good intentions aren't going to get you anything alone. You also have to have some follow-through. Somebody say follow-through. And so in Luke 9, 62, Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, don't just start, follow through. How many of you understand it's not just how you start something, it's how you follow through and finish it. Many of us, when it comes to marriage and relationships, we start great. It's a happy moment, it's a celebration, but then we have terrible follow through and things don't end up going that well. It could be uh, so many things. It could be a business venture. It could be a goal, a resolution. We get excited about it. We start well. We start strong, but we don't have endurance. We don't have any follow-through, and the end result is we don't get the reward we were going after. So turn to the person next to you and say, this year, you have to have some follow-through. Jesus said in 962, he said, if you're going to put your hand to the plow, don't look back. Keep on moving. Keep on pressing. Then we're going to go, if you have your Bible, turn to the next page to Luke 10. And this is a continuation of that thought that he shared in verse 62 of 9. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 10, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. I want you to understand that Jesus did not just create the church, he also modeled the church. He took time to develop relationships. He connected with people and he worked with people to accomplish his purpose. The church is the living force that accomplishes God's will here on this earth. I want you to hear that and understand it. The church is the living force that accomplishes God's will here on this earth. It is also the thing that God has designed to destroy the enemy and wipe out the kingdom of darkness. We are the hope of the world because the hope of the world lives inside of us. Because of this truth, the enemy is going to do everything he can to destroy the church because he understands its power. He has experienced its power. He has seen the kingdom of God take 
cities and drive him out. And so now what he does is he works overtime, and we see it all over the world. And let me tell you something, we're going to see an increase of it, where it's an attack on the church. And what it's trying to do is it's trying to drive people away from the only force that can drive the enemy out of our city, our state, our nation, our world, and our schools. But Jesus says this, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What do gates do? Gates either keep people in or keep people out. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to so distract us and deceive us into thinking that this, the church, which is the gathering of the believers, the body of Christ, he wants to deceive us into thinking it is not important. And you'll hear people all the time, uh, you know, it's not really that important. I can serve God on my own. Well, yeah, I do believe that you can love God on your own, but you'll never walk in your purpose on your own because our purpose is connected. Even Jesus Christ himself, when he came to earth and walked in a flesh suit, knew that he needed to connect with other people and work with other people to drive the kingdom forward. We need each other. Together we are the church. You alone are not the church. You are a piece of the body. But it is our coming together that develops the entire body with Christ Jesus as the head. And as he, when he is in proper place and we are moving under his direction and guidance, we begin to take territories. And that's what we are here to do. We are here to take territories. It's not just to, to sing some songs and hear some sermons. It's to, to be developed into a body of believers that take territory, that bring down the kingdom of darkness and expand the kingdom of light. You have to know how valuable we are to this planet. You have to understand how important it is for you to lock in and become the person that God has called you to be. Turn the person next to you and say, it is important. So verse 2, and he said to them, this part is interesting. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In other words, there's a lot of work to do, but there's not enough people willing to work. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now I want you to turn to the person next to you and announce the title of this sermon. It is, Put Your Hand to the Plow. Turn to them and say it. Put your hand to the plow. Put your hand to the plow. Before you can plant anything, you've got to plow the ground. Every seed is designed by God and created by him to produce an intended harvest. It has the power inside of it to become something larger than itself. For instance, an apple seed, as small as it is, has the ability to become an entire orchard. But that seed will not work unless the ground is prepared and the seed is distributed. Are you following me so far? So we have to understand the importance of putting our hands to the plow and plowing the field because every harvest begins with a seed and a field that has been prepared for that seed. 
When I was praying about 2023 and the direction that we would go in, very quickly, the word came to me, put your hand to the plow. That's what came to me, put your hand to the plow. That's what I've been chewing on and meditating on for the past few months. Okay, God, you're telling me that this year is the year to put my hand to the plow, but what does that mean? This year, hear me, this year, we must do what needs to be done to grow what needs to be grown. This year, we must not look back or get distracted. Hear me, there are going to be things that the enemy is going to place in your life that's going to try to distract you from your mission on the plow. You have to learn how to stay focused and ignore his voice and ignore everything that is going on around you. Do not get discouraged by what you see or by what you hear. Do not get discouraged by what you see or by what you hear, because in this year, you are going to see and hear things that will be disheartening. But if you will not give up or get weary in well-doing, you will, in due season, reap the intended harvest. Those who do not have their hand firmly fixed on the plow will be swept away. That broke my heart. When that came to me, in prayer, that broke my heart because I know, Randy, this year there are going to be people that I love, I deeply care for, that are going to be swept away because their hand is not on the plow. And when they're swept away, I cannot be distracted by it because I've got to stay my course. I've got to stay on mission. And I hope that you hear this sermon today so that you're not one that is swept away, caught up in the world system, conformed to that pattern. But we are continuing to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Those who do not have their hand firmly fixed on the plow will be swept away, but the righteous will inherit the earth. I've decided I'm going to be on the latter part of that deal. The righteous will inherit the earth. You have to understand how important this life is and what we do here in this world. Because this is a setup for the future. And we all will stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for what we did with the life he gave us. In my prayer for 2023, I I wrote down several things. But one of the things that I wrote down is, I want to be one who hears, well done, thou good and faithful servant. At the end of my life, that's all that matters. All the trophies that I've won, in my life matter nothing. The homes that I have built will matter nothing. The cars I have purchased will matter nothing. The boats that I have and I enjoy, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying life, but none of it matters compared to what did I do for the kingdom of God? Who will stand in eternity with me because of what I have done? The righteous will inherit the earth. This is the year to rearrange your priorities. Hear me, this is not not me speaking to you. This is what came to me in prayer. This is the year to rearrange your priorities, which means saying no to things that you would have said yes to in the past 
and saying yes to some of the things that you would have said no to in the past. It is time to rearrange our priorities. What matters most? And if it is not beneficial to my life and where I am going, then I am not going to make room for it in my life. Do, do you understand that thought process? Once I have determined who it is I am becoming, why I'm becoming it, and what I'm going to do to become it, then I can start looking at everything around me and determining, does this add to who God is calling me to be? If not, I need to be very, caref very careful how much space I give it in my life. Does not mean that particular thing is a sin, but it can become a sin if it pulls me away from the plow. Hello? So I've got to rearrange my priorities this year. This year, we must break up the ground and deliver the seed as individuals and corporately as the church. This will be a year of tremendous harvest, but it will only be experienced by those who work the field, sow the seed, and follow through. Work the field, sow the seed, and follow through. Those three are very important because some people will start a work but never sow the seed. Some people will start the work, sow the seed, but never follow through to see the harvest. I've got to be diligent in what I do. I have to be intentional in what I do. I cannot back off the plow. It doesn't matter who goes with me or who turns against me. I cannot back off the plow. It does not matter what the government says. I cannot back off the plow. It doesn't matter what culture or society is saying. I cannot back off the plow. And it may make me very unpopular. But listen, I've got to care more about what God thinks about me than what man thinks about me. And you're going to have to determine the same thing for you and your family this year. What? matters most, the opinion of man or the opinion of God, the opinion of my family or the opinion of God. God desires to grow a family, and he has given us the seed. But it is our responsibility to plant it. That's what it means, Richard, to be co-laborers with Christ. We do what we can do and then he does what only he can do. You can never control the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. He's the one that designed the seed and gave it the ability to grow. You don't have power over what the seed is, but you do have the power over where it gets planted. You do have power over the field it gets planted in. Does that make sense to you? So we become co-laborers with Christ where we do what we can do. We prepare the ground, we sow the seed, and then we expect God to step in and bring the harvest. He creates the seed and gives it the ability to grow, but we have to prepare the ground and distribute the seed. That is what we are doing when we pray. That is what we are doing when we serve. And that is what we are doing when we give. This is the strategy of Jesus to reach the world. This is the strategy the apostles used to change their world, and it is the strategy that we must use to change our world. Pray, serve, and give. Turn to the person next to you and say, pray, pray serve, serve, and give. 
before Jesus preached, he prayed. Before he started his ministry here on this earth, he withdrew himself to the wilderness where he got in touch with his father. After he started his ministry, the Bible tells us that many times he would withdraw himself from the crowd. Do you know what he was doing in those moments? He was praying. Because our prayer prepares us. So let me just stop right there. When we talk about preparing the ground, and I said individually and corporately, our prayer prepares us as individuals, understanding that our life has some soil. Jesus deals with that in the parable of the sower. And our soil is determined by what kind of prayer life we have because our prayers break up the ground. Our prayers call us into the place that God has called us to be. Our prayers pull from us our purpose and our destiny. So our prayers prepare us, but our prayers also go ahead of us. And I love that part. God knows where I'm going to be in 2023. I don't know yet. It's the exciting thing about living by faith, knowing that I serve a God that knows all things, and he only shows me things that I need to know when I need to know it. The Bible says that we see through the glass like dimly. He just gives us enough to attach our faith to. I don't know where I'm going, but the Spirit of God does know where I'm going, and when I pray and he intercedes, my prayer goes ahead of me and lands in the place I'm going to step into. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. The Bible says it has great power as it is working. Prayer is unlike any other conversation because I can have a conversation with you today about your necktie. As soon as that conversation is over about your necktie, those words are done. But when I come into agreement with the word of God through faith and start declaring it, that word lives on and starts working on my behalf. It starts working on every relationship I'm going to step into. It starts working on every business adventure I'm going to step into. It starts working on every ministry place I'm going to go into and every heart I need to touch this year. My prayer goes ahead of me. We have to prepare the ground for where we are going through our prayer. Corporately as a church, that means we have to pray into what we're expecting to see. If we desire to see people saved, then we need to invest the time into praying for the salvation of our community. If we desire to see our family saved, then we need to start praying for them and never back off that prayer. Don't get weary in well-doing, for in due season, if you do not faint, you will reap. Prayer. The reason the early church was so effective in their ministry is because before they preached, they prayed. God, give us boldness. God, give us strength. God, give us wisdom. Open the doors that need to be open. Close the doors that need to be closed. If, if you don't have a solid prayer life, this year is the year to get a solid prayer life. It's time to go beyond just the, thank you, Lord, for this daily food, or now I lay me down to sleep, and start going after the territory God is calling you into in prayer. How many of you pray for your marriage? Father, this year calls me to become 
the man of God you've called me to be, the husband you've called me to be, the father you've called me to be. Help me to be a shield and a protector. God, give me wisdom to lead them and guide them this year. Those are the type of things that we need to be praying. We need to be praying over our children. Let me, let me tell you something. The reason I am standing on the stage preaching today is because somebody prayed over me when I was a kid. Because there were times that I tried to run and do life on my own. But there was always something pulling me back, and it was the prayers of those who went before me. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Before you preach, pray. Before Jesus saved, he served. So not only do we have to pray to prepare the ground, but we've got to learn how to serve. His entire ministry was centered around serving people and meeting the needs of people. Why? Because it created a space for them to receive what he was going to accomplish in their life. When, when you serve someone, you show them that you value them. We have to learn as believers before we open someone's ears, we need to open their hearts. Many of us, we go to people with the seed that we call the gospel, and we're pelting them in the face with it. But they can't receive it because of the, of the tone we have. We haven't taken time to show them that we actually care about them and that we actually value them. And so we're just pelting them with this seed that can't penetrate the soil. But if I can begin to love the way that Jesus loved, if I can begin to serve the way that Jesus served, then it softens their heart to begin to hear and receive what it is I am saying because they know it's coming from a place of love and compassion and not condemnation. doesn't mean that what you're saying is wrong. It may just be the fact that you haven't taken time to develop the relationship that needs to be developed. Serving shows that you value. I went to a restaurant the other night, and it's, it's one of, at one point in time, it was one of my favorite places to eat. And I took the family, and when we got there, no one opened the door for us. Now, now, hear me out. There was a time that if you went to this restaurant, there was someone there ready to open the door for you. As a matter of fact, there was a host who was kind of scrambling around, walking outside, that as he started to the door, I opened it for him. And he said nothing. He walked right by me. I went to the restroom to wash my hands. The, the restroom was not in a good place. The towel dispensers weren't working, so they had the roll of towels right there on the countertop that were all sopped up from all the water on the counter. When we finally did get seated, the service wasn't great. When we received the food, the food was subpar. They're upping their price and lowering their service, and to me it says you don't value me, you value the bottom end. Now, realizing that if they place value where value needs to be placed, then the profits will increase. I have no problem paying for food. If you look at my credit card statements, you will see that. But when I am not valued and it seems like they don't care if I'm there, it does something for me. So now let's apply that to the church. We have to understand that there is a world that needs the message of Jesus Christ. And when we serve them in a way that values them 
it creates a welcoming space where they can come in and actually receive the word, the seed. When, when they know that there's a safe, fun environment for their children, it, it allows them to enter this space relaxed. When they see people on the host team saying, hello, how are you? Or when they see people, you know, running the cameras. See, you're doing more than just running a camera or a switcher or running a live stream, John. You're showing people around the world right now that we value them just as much as we value the people in the room. And so we're going to give our time, our effort, our energy, our talent, our, our resources to develop something to show them how much we love them and value them. When it comes to playing music, these guys get up here. They're not just coming up here and just starting to play. They're taking time throughout the week to learn. They take time out of their week to practice. Why? Because they want to do it in a way that values God first and foremost, but also values you. Before Jesus saved anyone, he served everyone. Before Jesus grew a family, he gave his life. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he, what? Gave his only begotten son so that whosoever shall believe will not perish but have everlasting life. That's seed time and harvest. He desired a family, so he gave a son. Every seed is designed to produce an intended result. He gave before he grew. Open hands make room for open hearts. It is because of generosity that ministry like this is possible. It's because of generosity that we have a building to meet in, seats to sit in, lights to see, instruments to play, cameras to, to shoot, computer equipment, space for our kids. It is because of generosity that opens up the opportunity to minister to the people. Watch this in Romans 10, 13. The Bible says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the power of the seed right there. Man, the gospel is the power of God that results in salvation to whoever believes. When I receive that seed of the word of God and understand that Jesus died for me, Jesus Love me, it results in salvation. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? You have to understand this. As Christians, our job and priority is to go and to send. Jesus says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every living creature. That's the mandate for every single one of us. We go into our circle of influence. We love there. We serve there. We pray over that. We release the seed there, and we expect a harvest there. That's our going. But there's also this component of sending, which means I have the ability to go where I physically cannot go, but I am there because I have sent the gospel there through my support. Does that make sense to you? So when we send, we actually have the ability to take the gospel and travel beyond our personal realm of influence. 
That's why our church has supported ministries that are reaching around the world. We have sent missionaries to build homes in Guatemala. We have supported ministries that are rescuing and rehabilitating sex victims of sex, of sex trafficking. We have supported Bible translation projects, and the message from this church is being viewed all over the world. It started, it started in a small building in Kennesaw, Georgia. It has grown to what it is right now because of the generosity of people willing to give because they understand that it is through the giving that we create space for the message to be heard. This year, we really need to consider making church a priority. And we've got to determine what does that look like for me? What's my praying going to look like this year? What's my serving going to look like this year? What's my giving going to look like this year? You know, many times our prayer requests, when we fill them out, to be honest with you, they're very shallow. Most of the times, if you, if you read over it, it's, it's very, very shallow. How many times do we say, God, this year, develop me into the person that you want me to be? And if that means pruning, prune. If that means developing, develop. God, show me where I can serve this year. Show me how I can have a greater impact for your kingdom. Father, I'm asking that you would show me how I can do more, how I can give more. We don't pray that way. You know why? Because we don't truly have a value. I'm not talking about all people, but some people, we just don't truly value the church of Jesus Christ. And we feel like, you know, this kind of thing's just always going to be around, whether we do or give or anything. And there's no guarantee to that. There's no guarantee to that. Ministry grows because people determine, I'm going to pray, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to give. This is the year for us to put our hand to the plow. God has given us the seed. That's the gospel. It's his word. It's his good news. The seed is there. The seed has the power that results in salvation, results in freedom, results in healing. But you and I have to prepare the ground and deliver the seed.